Did you know that only 2% of female-founded businesses hit the $1 million mark? This week's Entrepreneurista is on a mission to change that. Meet Sunira Madani, founder of Fat Merchants, an innovative payment processing technology company that she scaled from an idea to making $5 billion in payments last year. She is also the co-host of CEO School, a podcast dedicated to empowering women to break the glass ceiling and achieve success. Coming up, you'll hear how Sunira took a big financial risk early on and gave herself five months and used the money she had saved up for her MBA to start Fat Merchant. How Sunira honed in on customer experience as the pain points around accepting modern forms of payment. The challenge and rejection Sunira faced when pitching her idea to her former colleagues and potential partners. We'll hear about the importance of embracing rejection as a natural part of entrepreneurship. How the COVID-19 pandemic impacted Sunira's company and how she managed to continue to grow and thrive amid difficult and uncontrollable circumstances. Finally, we'll hear how Samira uses a three-bucket system to help her juggle all her priorities and thrive as both a business owner and mama. The inspiration behind the CEO School community and her mission to help more female founders break through the 2% Club, and how her rise to success has inspired her to mentor and support other women to scale their own business. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Samira, I am so excited to finally have this interview and record this episode with you. We were actually connected by email two years ago. I went back and looked at the date of the email in 2018 from Jessica, sent an email intro, and I think it was right before you had your second daughter and things were crazy busy. We never ended up connecting. And then she reconnected us this past year. And we just had this instant connection and bond over our businesses and shared love for being entrepreneurs and working moms. And I'm just so excited to finally sit down and talk to you today. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a huge fan of Entrepreneurista for years now, and you're absolutely right. I know that, you know, as soon as we started chatting, we've been actually been texting each other since like we met, like, well, we officially met in quarantine. And it's always fun connecting with not only entrepreneurs, but also people that kind of just share the same values. I know Courtney and I haven't had a chance to really get to know each other, but it just feels like everything you guys have built at Socialfly really resonated with. I love the story and I love just women empowering women. That is like what I'm all about. And so when I get to find a powerhouse that has just not only built an incredible brand, but just gets me as a mother and just gets like the hard, like the, we started talking about the hard stuff really quickly. And it just goes to show like it's, it's, it's real. And I love the realness and I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to finally meet you because Stephanie has literally been raving about you since the day that you two connected. So I'm glad that they finally here. I was like, <laughs> I found my soul sister and she, she lives in Florida too. So we're all going to get to finally, hopefully hang out at some point soon. Cause we're all down here now. I'm so excited to be here. What do y'all want to chat about? So 
First of all, we have to give you a huge kudos and congratulations because you were just named on an incredible list, 40 under 40. And I would love to hear how did that happen in your story? Because you have built this incredible business over the past couple of years. And I can't wait to just dive in to hear, you know, what the progression was, how you started and, and yeah, and built this business. It's so incredible. Honestly, I still don't feel like it's real. I can't believe that we're talking about this. Like it really doesn't feel real. I've won so many different awards for the company, for myself. Fat Merchant has just been on this incredible trajectory for the last seven years. And it's just, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger from like the media perspective. And then this year, literally last week, it's actually a week ago. I think it was last Thursday. I woke up to a Google alert on my phone and it, like, there it was like, and I, we get, I get Google alerts. Like I, I have to get Google alerts for like what's happening at the company where we're mentioned in a lot of places and I get the Google alert and what did it say? What did they alert? It literally say? said Sonera Madani named fortune 40 under 40. Like that was like the alert that had popped up and I, I couldn't even like, I couldn't breathe. Like it was like the most like out of body experience. I don't know how else to describe it. And it's just so humbling. It's so humbling. And it's, it's just surreal. I really don't even have like have words. Like I walked over to find my husband. He was in the kitchen with, with my girls. And I was like, Hey babe, he's like, uh, what's up? And I'm like, uh, so a thing just happened. What thing <laughs> just happened? And I'm like, I think I just got fortune magazines, 40 under 40. And he's like jumping up and down screaming. I think like the pancakes were flying everywhere. My girls are like, what's happening? And I was just really calm because it really didn't feel, it still doesn't feel real. And I wish it did. Like, I think this is part of like the imposter syndrome that we face as women. It, it doesn't feel real. right here in my office. I'll show you. There's like a little, I love your office. It's so cute. You. Pretty little award section. I've gotten some really incredible awards like CEO of the year. We've got Inc. Best Places to Work. We've got like really cool stuff. And still like when you get it, you're just like, oh, I can't believe that that's me. But I wish it was that first feeling is I'm so deserving of this, but that's never like my first feeling. It's always like, oh my God, Beyonce's on the list. Like that was the first thing that I saw. So you have clearly built this incredible, incredible business. And you've just mentioned all of these awards that you have won, but this did not happen overnight. You have put so much energy and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into building this business. So I want to go back and talk about what it was like starting the business. Like, how did you have the idea to start Fat Merchant? Yeah. So this is how it happened. I was working in the payments industry. So this is 2011, 12, and I was working selling merchant services. So it was literally payment card acceptance for small businesses. Credit cards were hot. Like as much as we like, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. A A decade ago is a really long time ago in technology. So a lot has evolved really quickly. And so I was selling merchant services and I was working for a big payment processor. And as soon as I like learned about this industry, I was really excited about working for this company, helping small businesses. We were becoming more cashless as a society. So I understood that like credit cards are the future. We were, I think at the time it was like 60, 40. So 60% of transactions were now run on credit card, which is like a huge, like the percentage of growth was really fast. So I was really excited to participate in this and my background, I was a finance major. And so I was finance and marketing and I happened to end up 
being, I was in sales somehow. So still with like a finance background, my background was in sales, but I was finally excited to use like my, my finance degree and my love of small business and do this thing. And within about six months, I learned that I hated everything about merchant services. And I thought it was just this like crazy human, awful employee that would complain about everything to my team. And it was really around the fact that I would get kicked out of stores, Stephanie, like Courtney, I would literally get kicked out. So I was a salesperson. I would have to show up field sales. So I'm going to date myself. Like field sales isn't even like a thing anymore where I have to like drive around into these plazas and like brand new businesses and tell them about like why they should accept credit cards and like why they should use our systems to accept them. And I would get kicked out. Like I would literally get kicked out. And I'm like, why do people hate me so much? Like, why do they hate me walking into a store? And I just want to offer a really good solution. I want to help them. But here's what, what, what was actually happening is that payments was actually very commoditized and it was known as like sleazy and salesy. And, and what it was is that the percentage, it was so expensive to take credit cards uh, for a small business. And not only was it expensive, whatever they had signed up for, it was this like never ending contract. They were in like crazy equipment leases. Their contracts were like auto renewing. So it was like this, like this industry that these big, there's only like a couple of giant players that were running, including the banks. There was no technology. There was zero value add. All it was, was take, 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 take from the small business. Nobody was actually adding value to them. And so I flipped the gear and instead of going in and started like to sell to the businesses, I would come in and just ask them questions. Like as if I was like a secret shopper about their payment processing experience. Like, what do you, Oh my God, aren't they the worst? Like, tell me about what's happening. Why do you feel this way? So I really started to dive into the customer pain point because I really truly cared. Like this is just the kind of like person I, I was like, I am, I really wanted to, if I'm going to put my name out there for something, even if it's, if it's for the company I work for, I want to do it with like the best integrity. I want to do it for the best for the customer. And the pain point that they were having wasn't just about, it wasn't the fees. It was really about the transparency of it. It was really about that. They're not getting any other value from it. It was the feeling that they felt that they were getting taken advantage of and that they had 1-800 numbers that nobody would pick up the phone to help them when they needed it. And so I, you know, started to learn about this and took, you know, like started to really deep dive into the industry a little bit more. I, you know, grew in the company and was really trying to like make this impact. And something else that I learned is that the way that every payments company ever made money was just on transactions. So it was truly a transaction based business and like literally pun intended, like it's a transactional business. And one snowstorm, I was stuck in Dallas and I was, this is pre-subscription economy. So before subscriptions were cool, I was subscribed to every subscription that I could get my hands on. I'm obsessed with subscription, <laughs> everything. Came to software, whether it came to my apps, whether it came to boxes. And I got stuck and I remember rerouting my dog's bark box. I think it was at the time. And that's when the light bulb goes off. And I'm like, holy shit, why is nobody applying subscription and payments? Instead of charging a per transaction, per volume, per whatever, we just charge them a flat monthly fee. And because Visa gives us the direct rates. And so the way that payment companies make money is that they mark up whatever Visa's fees are and they have all these variable fees associated with it. So by the time it trickles to the small business, there's like, that's why it's so many fees. And I'm like, why isn't anybody doing subscription and payments? So I thought this was like the most novel thing ever. And I did what any like, entrepreneur does is you go straight to Google and I start searching. I'm like, there's gotta be somebody doing this. There's gotta be some, something happening. Found that there was nobody doing this. 
And I actually had no intention of wanting to start it. I took this idea back to my team and my bosses and I booked my flight straight to Houston headquarters and got a meeting with our C-suite to say, I'm going to bring the best idea to our company and this is going to be novel. And so I got the meeting and I show up to the meeting and I present the best business plan that I've ever presented. I had everything worked out, like it, this was going to work and it got rejected. What was that moment like when they said no? And why did they reject it? So why they rejected it? Because it had it was it was ludicrous. Like that literally was their statement of it's never going to work. Right? We're never. Why would we want to like tell our customers what we're going to charge? Like this, why, we don't need to do that. We make plenty of money. So like the the gap range was like forty percent in variables like savings that the customer would get. That's a lot of margin. A lot of margin when there's only like a few players that controlled the space. Like there's no need to do that. And so one, it was around the the notion of like it's been done this way for thirty years, Snara. So like it's not going to work. Two. I'm not experienced enough. So to be honest, I wasn't right. I was 26 years old. I didn't have all the experience in the world. I just knew small businesses. Like I was the front lines of these, like of my customers. I grew up with immigrant parents. And so I've worked in every small business ever that my parents had. Entrepreneurship was never sexy. It was a necessity for our family. And so I really understood the pain points of like running a small business and like how every dollar does matter. Like this is the margin that we take home as a family. And they didn't see that, right? It was just the, like the top, like, I think that sometimes they're so far removed and it's not to their fault. I was just on the front lines. So I didn't have the experience. This would never work also around the fact that there's no need to, right? So if we can get away without doing it, why should we do it? And then there was an investment that they would have to make to go build out tools and technology. Cause in my heart, I was like, as a finance major, I'm like all these trends, all the transaction data that we're getting we're not doing anything with it. So the dumb terminal that's accepting the transactions, transactions are just data. So if we can come back and actually give them stuff for this, they would pay for it. So long story short, it gets rejected. I get on an airplane. I decide to leave the company and my risk tolerance is pretty low. Not anymore, but it was. I think for most women it is. And I felt like, I'm like, how am I going to go find Mr. Visa? Like, it's not like opening up a, a cupcake shop or like opening up a store. Like I literally have to get regulation. There's, I have no idea how to go do this. So it's like, I need to go find a partner, a banks, a bank partner. So I pitched fat merchant to about 12 different sponsors, banks. I got rejected by every single one until I'm like literally in my mom's house, like crying to like my brother and my boyfriend and my family being like, I think I'm gonna have to like give up and I'm gonna go with my MBA. And my family looks to me and they're like, why do you need a partner? Just take the bet on yourself, you can do this. And I was my last choice. Like I was my last choice. I wish I wasn't my last choice and I wish the story went differently. I wish I like walked out of that room and I'm like, I've got this. It wasn't, it took six months of me getting rejected over and over again to, and like no ounce of like confidence to be like, I can go do this. And I, my family pushed me to go do it. I had $20,000 in my bank account. We like pulled the money in and I gave myself six months. And in six months, we got the company off the ground. Our first year we did 5 million in payments. The next year we did 110 million in payments. The following year we did 750 million in payments. Our year four, we did a billion in payments. And our fifth year last year, we did 5 billion in payments. Absolutely incredible. And 
what a story of perseverance and just never, never giving up and not taking no for an answer. And I think that's what we see time and time again with entrepreneurs is you can't take no for an answer. You got to just keep going because it can take a lot of no's to get to a yes, even if that yes is just yourself and believing in yourself. Absolutely. What do you think was the key to your growth over the, the last five years? So much there. Oh my God. We could talk about this for the next hour. Scaling and growth. I would say advice to many of the entrepreneurs listening is what's going to get you from zero to six figures is not what's going to get you from six to seven figures. And it's going to be different getting from seven to eight figures. I've had a lot of growth in a short amount of time, but I still had to go through each of those steps. And so the first thing that I would say to credit to the growth is resilience. And that is like a core value that we as entrepreneurs like need to have in order to succeed is we are going to get told no. There's going to be a shit ton of challenges that are going to come our way. And as you continue to grow, those challenges actually become bigger and bigger. I always like to describe it. It's literally like a journey to the top of the mountain, right? And you have to start like you're at the bottom of the mountain. You're not going to get to the top of the mountain. You still have to take your first step and then your next steps. It's like one foot in front of the other until you get to the top. You have all these challenges that are probably thrown out your way, whether it's like controllable, controllable and uncontrollable, right? So you have controllable uh, things that, that you can fix. And then there's also uncontrollable circumstances. We're in one of those situations right now with COVID. I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but you have to find a way to know that you're getting to your destination, no matter what is coming your way. And I think that is one of the things that good teams and the great entrepreneurs have is that resiliency to carry forward, no matter what the circumstance and finding a solution. So I think if you're solution oriented and you have that resilience, that is a huge factor of our success here at Fat Merchant. And I do believe same for most entrepreneurs. Now that we have been doing all of our recordings virtually and not in our studio in New York City, we have a special surprise that we sent to you ahead of time. And I see it sitting in, in front of your desk right I now. So can I open it? Yes, please. Unboxing. This is what a uh, reality versus Instagram, right? Like the, the pretty un- <laughs> So for our listeners, you can tell everyone well, what's inside the box. <laughs> okay. So what's inside the box is this beautiful clear bag that I could use to go to my home gym, go to my home office. (laughs) It's a, it's a pretty black bag. That's clear. I take it to the grocery store. It says entrepreneurs let me move the camera this way. So you guys can see that. And then got a great card, which I'll read later. I'm sure it's, Oh no, open it. Cause there is something important in there. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm like a private message girl. I'll read it out loud. You can just see the little surprise in there. You can read it later. And then did something fall out of there? I just, it might've fallen on the floor. Great eyes. The greatest unboxing ever. Oh no, it's missing. I, I swear I think it flew out when you opened it. The only thing that flew, I have it right here. Okay, we'll come back to it. Okay, we'll come back to it. But there should be a little entrepreneurista pin. Thank you for the pin. Yes, <laughs> we'll find it later. I am so excited for these because I heard about these, the virtual digi, digi cards. And now we can use them for the rest of the recording. Let's do it. So fun, ladies. I love it. This is so creative and needed. Yes, everyone needs these right now to make their meetings a bit more manageable and fun. So pretty. Anything marble. I love it. Thank you for the journal. So now you are officially an, an entrepreneurista. <laughs> so I'm glad glad the box arrived and you got it. And more digit cards. Thank you. More digit cards. Share with the yeah, team. It's in here. 
Oh, yay. Good. Okay. Perfect. So glad I didn't go missing. No, it's right there. Yay. So cool. And your book. This is definitely something on my list of things to do 2021. There you go. Thank you so much, ladies. It's so sweet. I love, uh, who doesn't like receiving gifts, but it's just fun to open a package from a friend. Like it really is. There's still that joy of opening a package. It doesn't get old. Not from Amazon. Amazon will get old, but. <laughs> hey, I get ex- still get excited about my I Amazon don't. packages, I'm- and I always forget what what I what's did I order. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, but from a friend, yes. Thank you. Well, enjoy. So I'd love to. I have a million questions for you, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours. But I'd like to know. Yeah, next time we'll do this over one red wine. How was your business impacted by COVID? Yeah, that's a really great question. At first, I'll tell you when. That first initial week of COVID was the hardest week I've ever gone through as a business owner. So one, I have 120 employees. So my first thought always like goes to my team and we live in Florida. I'm in Orlando, Florida. And so we are very heavily reliant as an industry type on like tourism and hospitality and a lot of our teams, like spouses, it's at our work for major companies like Disney here. And so one, I knew like as soon as it was happening that we're going to have a huge economic impact, like you could see it right away. And so it was like, great, what's going to happen to my team and fat merchant first. So first it was like just assessing everything. Second, also because we're a transactional business, I support small businesses. So we have thousands of small businesses that are utilizing fat merchant for payment processing and our, our tools and technology. And we saw transactional volume. So we have like our data everywhere. Like we can give you a tour afterwards of the office if you guys would like, but you'll see data all over our walls. And one of the things that we measure is our transactions, like how's our volume for our customers. And it literally tanked. It was like the most crazy thing to watch. And I, I like got to experience it firsthand as like, not like as a business owner myself, but also watching this for thousands of business. It was like one of the scariest things to see transactional transactions declined by like 90% in the first two weeks of COVID. We completely stopped spend the economy. I've never seen it actually stop and it stopped. And so that was like the second phase of like what was happening for us. And then third piece of it was we're in growth mode right now. So as like right now we've been hiring, like I had offer letters out to employees like that. We're we onboard probably net new like five to 10 employees a month, just based on our growth. We were supposed to be in like a capital growth, you know, mode this year. Like we are, we are full steam ahead in growth mode. And I was like, holy shit, what is going to happen? I have no idea. So we have all these plans and things that we're supposed to do. Everything was stopped. So the first thing that we did was we need to protect four and we need to protect our businesses. And so we literally created a con like our, like we, we literally got PPP loans for our customers. We created like an incredible platform to reach out for our customers. We gave millions of dollars of relief to our customers as well. So we became in like, we have a, like, we've had so much growth and we're in a position of leadership as a company. And we wanted to utilize our networks and just 
like the power that we have as a company to go help these small businesses. So we actually created a contact list, which is our like latest solution that we released. And we were able to get our businesses. So as 90% decline, we were able to get back 90% of volume back to our businesses in record time in comparison to any other payment processor in the market. So we released wow. really cool functionality for them to be able to take uh, payments over like the phone and via text and some like really cool enhancements that we made to the platform right away. We partnered with Gift Hub, which is like a digital gift card company and did digital gift cards for like restaurants that were closed so that their, their customers could continue to support them. So we went into like, we didn't do anything net new from like, a, we weren't looking to go acquire a single new customer. We went into how do we help our, you know, 6,000 businesses and how do we get them mm -hmm. sustained first and foremost? So that was like the first thing that we did. And then what was incredible about it is had no plan of continuing to still grow there. We still ended up having like record breaking months every single month this year from a sales capacity standpoint. We've onboarded over 500 net new customers roughly per month since COVID, which is like the highest that we've, we've been in. And so it's really incredible that like, I didn't know my business was, there's no such thing as like recession proof, but we're offering such an incredible solution to the market. We also offer a ton of savings to our customers. And so that was like, it came back to the forefront of customers needing that savings. And they're trying to find ways to cut their processing fees or other ways that they can like save in their business to keep their businesses afloat. And so we are able to not only sustain our business, but we're still growing. We, I'm so happy to report that this is in Q3. We've actually, our plan for this year is actually, we're like, you know, 20% up from our plan of like where we should have been. And so we're on pace to hit every target that we're supposed to. We're on pace for everything. We ended up, we didn't lay off a single employee. We actually honored every offer letter that was out there. And we actually have like 10 open positions right now still for the Wow. Well, that is really incredible. Thankful for that. But I think it's, it was because it was like, I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but I do believe that abundance comes like when you're not seeking it. Like that's a, like a core belief of mine. And the reason like I'm, I really believe that I'm always going to be successful in like what I do because I never go seek the dollar for it. Like it's, it sounds super cheesy, but like the universe does give if you just do right. Mm -hmm. And I think every time that I stick to like where my heart wants to lead and like where I want to focus, it always pays off. And I think that our customers, like all the, everything that we've done to have like this great customer experience of ours, like we didn't receive like the attrition that other payment companies, I think like squares, like, like stock was tanking. Like, I mean, we're just in a, like a really amazing position and very proud of the company that we've built, the values that we share. And I think that's going to pay in, in, in it's paying off right now. That's really, really incredible. And I think so much of it is a testament to your leadership and what you have been able to bring to your company and your team to get them to be able to rally around, you know, pivoting what the focus of the business has to be during this time. Can you take us back to those moments, you know, back in March when you really did have to stop focus on sales, you know, mid-March and really needed to focus on the customer and creating these solutions? Like what were those meetings like with your team? How do you lead that you're able to inspire your team to act quickly and make these, you know, pivots happen super fast? I think, you know, one of the things like from a cultural perspective, like one of our core values is get shit done. Like, so we have three core values of the company, you know, get shit done, create joy 
and one team. Like those are the one, two, and three that we have. And I'm looking, I have a sign on my desk right in front. It's like always everywhere. And these have been the same three core values from the day that we started Fat Merchant. And so we've hired based on these values. We live against these values. And every time that we need to like test check ourselves, it's always based on these three values. Like always, like it's our North star. It's like what we always like align ourselves to, as long as we're like aligned with these values and the business decisions that we're making, it's going to work. And so during COVID, the one team initiative, so like one team was always something that like we have, like, it doesn't matter whether you're the janitor in the company or you're, you're me, you're the CEO. Like we all always operate from a one team perspective. We're going to do what it takes for each other. We're, this is not a culture that we ever put anybody else down. It's an uplifting culture. And I see that very clearly. And like, we have a pretty heavy sales team and usually sales is really cutthroat and very independent. And our sales team is not like that. They come from organizations. That's what makes them incredible salespeople. But we have like team goals. And if like one person's not like hitting their goals, they all work and give up their things to like help this person succeed. And so I'm so proud of this value. But one team really extended out to like our customers in this, in this scenario where it was like, they're our team. And so what do we need to do to go get these? We were working, I kid you not, like it was like nobody left the office. Like, and COVID was happening. We weren't, we we're like completely in lockdown. We were, we all had to like work from home. That was like another thing that happened. Like I completely forgot to talk about that we had to take everybody remote in an environment for us that wasn't remote. We have like a really incredible office culture and we're able to do that. And everybody was working nonstop around, like around the clock with so much happening, especially with families and children and people get like, like not having childcare and spouses being home and dogs barking. And then to put on like the most pressured work environment on top of that, our team fucking crushed it, dude. Like I kid you not, I've never seen so much resilience in a team to say, we're going to go help our customers. We had customer outreaches. We reached out to PPP loans for people, the, the gift card, but we did so many things, but it was really around like, that's what was happening in real time. Nobody slept. We made it happen and we made a huge shift. Like we completely stopped product roadmap. We had a lot of like net new things that were supposed to come on the roadmap this year. And we had to pause it to go focus on going contactless, but that is what was happening during COVID. It was a lot of crazy, a lot. How did you, how did you say, stay sane during that time? Because we can definitely relate given our experience navigating this time and hearing you talk about it just brings me back. And now I, now I need a nap. (laughs) Oh, I need to lay down. Uh, How did you navigate that time? I don't know. I feel like I was in a coma. (laughs) Like, Like, I don't remember. I don't remember. Like, it was a lot. Like, I literally don't think I, like, showered for days. Like, it was so crazy. And I think, like, a few, like, we didn't, I didn't even get to, like, it was, it was so much crazy from, like, a, not only an economic standpoint, everything that's happening for the company, from a health perspective, too. Like, I had my, like, am I going to see my parents? Like, am I not going to see my parents? Like my parents are like, I see my parents every single day. They help take care of my, my daughters. And it was like all of these decisions that you had to make. I work with my brother at the company. He's the co-founder of that merchant. And so we were not even seeing each other because everybody went into like true COVID lockdown mode. And I don't even remember what that was like. I didn't have childcare because we wanted to make sure like, it was all of these things that we were trying to follow. I don't know. I think that what got me through it was again, that resilience prayer, just like just being grounded and like trusting the fact that I like, we're all going through this. I think that was another thing that was really unique about this situation is that we were all going through it. It wasn't this like unique circumstances scenario at Fat Merchant. 
it wasn't like it wasn't this unique circumstance of Stephanie and Courtney at Socialfly or whoever else, right? Like it was something, it was like the shared suck. And I think we just like embraced the suck. And I was like, okay, how are we gonna like do this? And I actually think this was like one of the it sucks so bad, but I do think that it's like changing business for the better in so many ways. And I see it. I see it in the shift that's taking place for women in the workplace. And they're like, that it's okay that, you know, like I see men taking care of things that they haven't done in the past. I see employers being so much more flexible and empathetic, knowing that there's like humans on the other side. Like there's so many good things, there's silver linings out of COVID that I think will make a really good impact. And this is how businesses should have been operating. And so the ones that didn't make it through or the ones that like, we didn't think about our customers. It wasn't an afterthought. We've always thought about our customers. That's why they didn't leave us. That's why we were able to focus on them. Companies that were like, oh, we need to now think about our customers so we don't have attrition. That's not going to work for them. And so I think having those, like all of, all of the things that I've been told as a leader, as a woman that I'm like, their emotion and I'm too empathetic and like all of this other bullshit that like counted against me. I am so proud to say that because of all of those things that I had in place, that is like the reason why fat version is succeeding and it's going to continue to succeed. So let's, I, I'm, let's lean into that. You are definitely a rock star and an incredible entrepreneurista and also a super mom because somehow you've balanced all of this while raising and taking care of two little beautiful girls. So some days when I watch you on Instagram, I don't know how you do it, but you're, you're getting it done. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not easy, but I think it's like to that, I have a, I have like a principle I'm happy to share. I have a three bucket principle if y'all want to hear oh, about yes, it. Tell us. Yes, I want to, I definitely want to hear okay. it. So I believe that like we have seasons of our lives and like there's just different seasons of things. So you can't just pick like your, like your three things or your three buckets are going to change as you grow and things are going to evolve. Right. So my three buckets from when I was in college are like definitely not the same from like even last year to, to this year. So assessing what your three buckets are are really important as like an individual. It doesn't matter if you're working for an organization, if you like whatever, wherever you are, you're an entrepreneur or you're not having like three guiding buckets of like, these are the three things that make me whole. Okay. So this is, these are the three things that make Sonera. And for me, my three buckets are my family, my friends and family are an entire bucket that like, I need to fill that bucket. Fat merchant is my bucket. That is like always going to be a big bucket of mine where I'm going to spend my time, my heart's there, my energy. And then I have a third bucket, which is like my mission to help women. Like this is like a bucket that I didn't, like I've always had, but like it became a real bucket over the last like two years as like a season for me or like as a bucket for me. So if these three buckets are important. You can't add any more buckets. Okay. And you're like, and people are like, how do you balance? Like, how do you balance mom life, work life, giving back? Like, how do you balance all of this? Well, every day I'm not going to be able to fill every bucket. It's not realistic. Okay. So some days I'm going to really fill the fat version bucket. I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to like do incredible things. And I'm doing virtual conferences right now and whatever else is happening. And I'm there and I did an incredible job in that bucket and I'm filling that bucket. But that also puts, I also have to remember that I've got two other buckets that make me by the end of the week at least, right? And so if I had a really great day for this bucket, I got to make sure that I make up and fill the other bucket. And so what it really does is it allows you to prioritize, like knowing that these are like the three things. And at the end of the week, I'm always happy to say that I like balanced 
my week and I balanced quality time with like my kids and I balanced my like the high pressure executive job of fat merchant CEO. And then this is how I find the time to like, like have my podcast and to really talk about the 2% club mission and talk about CEO school and empower women. Like that is something that I still show up for because it's fulfilling to me and it's important that I fill that bucket. So I think that there's no such thing as like a work-life balance. It's really the work-life integration. And I almost think about like the buckets with like this like infinity of like, it really is the integration of all of it. And there is no such thing. And I hate breaking that news to a lot of people uh, because they expect work-life balance to look like it's perfect in a day. And I'll tell you, some days I'm like a super great mom and I have like the best mom days. And some days I like barely see my kids for five minutes. And that's the reality of having like me wanting to do these things. But also what it does is I have to say no to everything else that's not my bucket. That was something that was so hard for me to really get over because I'm such a yes person. I'm such like a people pleaser. I want to help every single person ever. I can't do that. And so I have to say no to if it's not in these three buckets, then it just is not in my season this season. Like it's just not. And so you have to be okay with saying no to all else. But if you're very focused on your buckets, I promise you'll find the balance and you'll like, your priorities will be so straight. That's how I do it. How do you say no? Do you have any advice on, on saying no to something that you may feel bad about saying no to? You just say it and you can say it nicely. So what I've also learned is that you don't, it just, I, I always fear like people are going to hate me or like, they're not going to like it. And so I always try to use like I'm always overly nice, even trying to say no. You don't have to. Like, it's okay to say, hey, I really appreciate this request, right? So you can always start by like thanking them for the request, or I'm so honored that you thought of me to be here, right? However, right now is just not the best time. And if you really do feel like, don't give them a blanket false hope. If you like, you don't want to do it, then don't do it. You can invite them at a different season, or you could say, Hey, if there, this is another channel that I do it by something I have to say no to often, which I hate saying no to is mentoring. Like I would love to have a coffee date with a bajillion women. Like I I would love to do that. I can't do it. And so my way of, I was able to do it is I show up online and I've created a podcast and I teach many lessons on Instagram. So I do these things and I invite them to participate there and to DM me and let's engage and let, let's do that. But that way I can reach one to many and not one to one and still have a great impact. And so I think there's ways that you can say no and still be inviting. It doesn't have to be a harsh, no, I'm like, I'm being an asshole. And I think that I'm still working on this. Like setting boundaries for me is not something I'm good at. Like this is something I definitely I'm still growing with. I'm just learning how because you want to do everything for everyone, but I can't. And I've also realized that when I'm able to say no, I'm actually able to take the time that I have to do really, really great for that, for everything else, which is then also making like a bigger impact. So that's, that's how I do it. I just nicely say I can't. I think that is such such great advice. And, you know, Courtney and I have experienced very similar things and the advice you share is, is really impactful. And, you know, we want to say yes to things all of the time because it's, we want to help. And that again, is one of the reasons we started this podcast and why you started your podcast, because we do want to make impact and help as many people as possible, but there are only a certain number of hours in the day. So we have to do the best we can do to be able to, to scale ourselves. Hey, entrepreneurs! I am so excited to announce the launch of the new Entrepreneurista website. We listen to what you are looking for and have created a resource for each of you. 
that goes beyond each episode of our podcast so you can continue to discover the best women-led brands, products, and services to help your business grow. We will be featuring more stories from female entrepreneurs, business leaders, and we'll publish exclusive content and interviews on the website to continue to provide you with as much value as possible. Be sure to check out our Entreprenista shop filled with branded merchandise and our Entreprenista picks featuring discounts and special offers from your favorite female-led brands. We've created a special coupon code just for you for our launch for all Entreprenista swag. Use code PODCAST10 at checkout. We can't wait to hear what you think and thank you so much for being part of our community. Head on over to entreprenista.com to start exploring and use code PODCAST10 at checkout. Samira, so I was on your podcast recently that you launched and congratulations on the launch of your show. Thank you. I was, it was such a fun episode. I highly encourage everybody to go listen to Stephanie. It was so great. I loved all the nuggets that you shared with our audience. And I'm so grateful. Well, I want to hear more about your inspiration to start the podcast. I know you mentioned before, same as us, you know, so many people wanted coffee dates to be able to pick our brain. So you started the show, but you have really started, you know, picking up traction and building this awesome community that I know a lot of our entrepreneurs would, would love to join as well. Yeah. So CEO school is the community that I'm building and it was not again, intentional to build. I think what was happening is I started sharing my story on social media. So a couple years back, I think it was like three years ago as I was raising venture capital. I know we didn't even get to talk about venture capital. I raised 20 million in venture capital. Both times I was pregnant. I like, I raised money out of Orlando, Florida. Like it was not, it was very difficult to do less than 1% of venture capital goes to minority founders. And I was able to do this and really scale Fat Merchant. And I was sharing like this crazy exec life that I was living. And at the same time, I had two little babies. Like I had two kids along the way and I was struggling with working mom life. And I was just literally would just show up on Insta stories. I think Insta stories had just come out and I'd be like, Oh, I'm like, like dropping like my children off to like daycare. And then I'm like walking into a board meeting. And it was just like this crazy juxtaposed life that like, isn't, ever shown. And it started like really gaining a following and a momentum, like in momentum. And I like spoke at a lot of conferences. I'm like all about female empowerment. And so this Instagram started growing and the like hashtag mom boss was like, like my account, like literally it was at mom boss. And like from there, the community, it wasn't just so there were like half my audience was like working mom slash entrepreneurial mothers, but the other half of the community was just entrepreneurs. Like they were women that were looking up to me. Like I was in the process. I didn't even have a billion dollar business. It was, I was in the growth journey of fat merchant, but they wanted to see more of the behind the scenes, what it takes and what my day looks like and how I fit everything in. And what are my productivity tips? What are like business tips? So I learned that the audience was actually more entrepreneurial than I had thought. And we were talking about this, Stephanie, earlier is that I couldn't do every mentor meeting that I wanted to. I couldn't sit here and coach every person. And I tried different ways. I tried putting together mini groups. I tried scaling it in different ways to say, how can I show up and like help these women? But it just wasn't scalable. And was fortunate enough last year to meet Shannon Monson. Uh, she's my partner at CEO school. I went to go speak at her conference and on stage, I'm like presenting my keynote 
And something that I always share in my keynotes is that I didn't go to CEO school. Like that is a, that is something that I always say it's, you know, I, I, I told, I don't know if I was telling somebody else earlier today on like I had $20,000 or was telling you guys, I was I had $20,000 in my bank account. This is like mom brain right here. And it was for my MBA. And if I was going to fail, I was going to fail. And that was like, what I wanted to do was like, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to go do this. And if it doesn't, I'm okay with it. But I was giving up my MBA money. Like that was the money that I had saved. And so actually I wasn't telling you guys, not mom brain. I was telling my copywriter today. It's a correction there. And I was telling her that one of the things that I see for women is that we're just not risk averse. And I, I remember just going back even to my story of, I thought I needed to get this MBA to like get to the next point. And when I, when fat Martian started succeeding, I always felt like I didn't have the experience, the education or CEO school, and still all of this was happening around me. And so that was where CEO school really came from. And it's really this notion that it doesn't exist. Like CEO school is not, it's just, it's just your experience. And I think we as women really limit ourselves. We have all these perfection tendencies that we must have this like checklist of things done in order for us to make certain moves. That's an everything in our lives. That's not just in business. We do this all the time, all day long to ourselves. We are serial perfectionists and it's not our fault. It's how we've been raised. It's how society treats us. We should be pretty and perfect and sit on the side and not get hurt and not take risk. And we're completely different with our, with our boys. And it's not God bless our parents, but it was just, it's just how we've been raised as a society. So it has all these effects. So CEO school was something that this is, it's like a fun saying that I always said in interviews is like, I didn't go to CEO school and it's just a knock at myself. Like it's a joke at myself that like, look at me, I'm sitting here, but we can all do it. And that's just, that's the story is that we can have it all. And uh, Shannon is an incredible entrepreneur. She's been helping women start online businesses for years. So much success that, you know, so many hundreds of women have gone through her programs. And last year we decided to take my tribe of of people and combine this tribe together to really form a community online. And it's just women supporting women on the mission for the 2% club. And so what this is, is that less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. That is the most heartbreaking statistic I have ever heard. Less than 2%. Men are five times more likely to have that, have that success, even just by being men, like that's the sheer truth of it. And I really started to uh, try to uncover why this is true for women. So why am I such a novelty? Why are Stephanie, you and Courtney, what, what made your story so successful and how can we replicate? Like what made us so special? And when you look at it, it's not like we had fancy education. We didn't have fancy parents or background or celebrity reviews, or we went viral somewhere. It's not how it happened. And what stops the women that don't make it there? So I've been doing a ton of research and just talking to hundreds of women on their story, their entrepreneurial journey. And the one thing that I've learned first and foremost is that we don't even dream big enough. Like that's the first thing. So we believe as women that a six, to, to be successful, it's a six figure mark. Like that is what we believe as success. No one's even taught us that we have the ability to have a seven figure business. And I think that that's like the first bar that we must raise. And I don't see that being talked about in anything in entrepreneurship. So we've got a lot of great communities for entrepreneurships. And I am so excited to 
that I'm not coming in a position of just starting from there because there's so much groundwork already laid in female entrepreneurship. But I want to raise that bar a little bit for us. And I want to challenge us to say we should not only just start businesses, we shouldn't just scale businesses. We should fucking have million dollar businesses. And I think that is not there in the entrepreneurship business world. And that's what I want to challenge is I wish somebody had challenged me. I didn't think that I was like, this was going to be my story. And I think most women that are in this fictitious 2% club that I call, that wasn't your plan. Like you didn't, you weren't like, oh, I like, this is, this is my only goal. Nobody ever taught you how to dream to be a millionaire, like a million business, but you got there. And so I want to share those stories. I want to learn from these experiences, just like you guys are sharing my story so that, you know, people can actually take real tactical takeaways and then actually want to build out real curriculum around that. And so that's kind of this journey that I'm on right now is how to tactically take some of these learnings. What are the things that we're not doing? So one, we're not risk averse. The second thing that I found is we don't hire fast enough we don't hire strategically. We hire just to delegate. So there's a couple of things that like, these are the things that I believe that we're going to really help push women in their businesses to really scale. That is what CEO school is all about. It's this mission to break the 2% club because I believe, we believe that the statistics should be a hundred percent. That's incredible. And thank you so much for, for sharing. And I know you talked about Giving before, that, uh... yes, hearts and yeses to that. <laughs> I know you shared before that you find a way to balance it all by putting everything into buckets. Do you have any tips or best practices on if you structure your your week and do time blocks? I'm going to focus on this from this time to this time. And then this time is designated to, to this activity. Because as we all know, things always pop up throughout the day at times you may not have the time for it. So how do you... How do you structure your day? You have to make the time. I really don't. There's, you're never going to have time. There's never a good time for anything. You're always going to have to make time. And for anything that you want to do, that's like the number one rule is you'll, it's never the right time. You're going to have to make the time. How you make the time is I'm a huge believer in like my calendar. So everything is Google calendar. So some tactical things that I do is I will make sure that everything in my week is based on my three buckets is on my calendar. So even like quality time with my family nights, it's Friday. We do pizza and movie night every Friday. And that is something that is on my, like on my calendar, like if everything, whether it's my, it's my health and fitness, I put that on there, whether it's my work schedule, my work schedule is on there. And then even things that I'm trying to make time for is definitely on a huge calendar utilization, calendar blocking so that you feel focused in those times and are able to give like energy maintenance as well through the week on the certain things that you need to get done. So, and you can zoom out and then you collectively look at that for the month as well. Like you heard me say it. I don't believe that you have to do everything in a single day. You don't have to, you have, you could set your major goals and take your goals and, you know, do them one bite at a time. So I really believe in sprint planning. This is something that you'll, you can, you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Madani and you can go into some of my mini trainings and I have some sprint planning workshops in there. And this is like how tech companies give, like if they need to create a, like a software feature, this is how the developers, like how they break out their time and how they like get this big feature done. It's the same concept that you can apply in your everyday life. So sprint planning for me would look like, great, I want to launch a podcast, right? Like that is a, that's a big project that may get added to my plate, right? That's something that I'm like, I don't have time for. I can't do this right now. How do I fit it in? Right. And so you take a big project like your 
launching a podcast or you're writing a book or you're trying to start a business or whatever that looks like for, or something even within your business, but it's a time consuming piece. You break out that initiative into many initiatives. So you're like, great, what do I have to do in 12 weeks to get this done? Let's say if you're like, I'm going to give it 12 weeks. So I'm going to do it in three months. And then from there, you're like, what do I have to accomplish in month one? What do I have to accomplish in month two? And then what do I have to accomplish in month three? Then you break that down even into further by weeks. So you pretty much do like a 12 week plan of like, here's the mini goals that I have to do in order for me to get to my big goals. And that is like sprint planning, something I do for like a big initiative to kind of fit that in because otherwise I can't just spend, I can't just take a week off of mom life to be like, I'm going to go do this. I can't just take a week off of fat merchant life that I'm going to go do this. So you have to incorporate that into your process every day. And that is how I accomplish some big things in, in the time that you're like, how, how does, how do you add something that new? but just good calendar blocking is really important. And I think the bucket principle is going to help a lot of people um, in getting them, getting, getting things organized. You have shared such incredible, useful tips for all of the entrepreneurs that are listening. And I wish this could be, I keep saying a 90 minute episode. I think when you have time to fit in one of your buckets, we're going to have to record a whole other episode with you because you have so many wonderful tips to share on productivity and on running a business. We didn't even get into the process of, of fundraising. So we're definitely going to have to to do another episode. So Nira, what would you say that being an entrepreneurista really means to you? That's such a sweet question. <sighs> to be honest, it is a, it's a responsibility. Like to me at this point, like being an entrepreneurista is a responsibility that I don't want to take lightly. I want to show up. I have to show up. I, I like want to be here to show women that we can accomplish our dreams. I've always been one that's been told no every step of the way. I'm too young. I don't have the experience. I mean, you name it, I've gotten that no. And I think like the factor, um, you know, like we can all achieve it. We all have that. My, you know, my father, you know, used to always tell me when I was a kid that Sonny, you have it. He, like Sonny is my nickname. He'd always say you have it. And I didn't understand what it meant until actually last week. And I, I wrote that on like my fortune 40 under 40 LinkedIn post when I like finally posted about it. And I talked about that. I, I didn't get my dad. He actually passed away earlier this year and I finally get it. I get it. And it is just this, it's just this feeling. It's this, like, it is this magic that we all have inside of us. And it's just how we unleash it to the world. And it's like what we do with it is so important, but we all have it and we really do. And I think that the world has just missed out. Businesses have just missed out because so many of us don't unleash the it. And so I feel like being an entrepreneurista is that responsibility to show women that we can have our dreams. We can be in the boardroom. We can be incredible mothers. We can have million dollar businesses and we can make an impact too. It doesn't have to be this or that. And that's what I've always been like, like see, I've seen my whole life is you either are a, you know, like you can be incredible in your career or you could be a mom. Like it's never this and that either you can be really successful and have money and money's bad, or like, you're not going to have an impact or you're going to be viewed as something different. It's not money. Isn't bad. It's just, it's just, it's just money. And I can make an impact if I have it too. And so I think it's like this, this weird, like unlearning of all of these things that we've psychologically learned. And so being an entrepreneur is a huge responsibility. Thank you for giving me the title of being an entrepreneur. I'm so honored for it. I don't take it lightly. 
And I hope to make you guys proud and to really show women that we, we deserve to have it all. Oh my gosh. You yes, could not yes, have yes. said it any better. I, I was going to say this. Pick me. Yes. <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> I love your mission and what you're doing. And I know we're going to be able to continue to collaborate and help all of these women get to a million dollars and beyond in business and be able to have it all because it is possible to be an incredible mama pranista and entrepreneurista. And you're definitely a testament to that. So thank you. Where can everyone find you, follow you, follow Fat Merchant? follow CEO school. Give us all the, give us all the plugs now <laughs> on Instagram. I think that's like the first place to start. So you can follow me on Instagram at Sanira Madani. So it's just my first name, last name you can, and then you'll find uh, fat merchant from there as well. It's F A T T merchants. You can find us online. So if you are a business owner and you want to check out fat merchant, we have some incredible tools for payments. If you're accepting payments in your business, which of course you are, if you're a business, you need fat merchant. So go to fatmerchant.com. And you can also follow CEO school at CEO school on Instagram. It is a super fun community. Definitely partake in it and follow us on iTunes on the podcast as well. And that's at CEO school. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm Stephanie and I'm Courtney, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.